Welcome to the Studying the Bible podcast, where every Thursday, pastors Dylan Dodson and Brian Androsian study a book of the Bible verse by verse to see what is being communicated and how we can use it to grow in our relationship with Jesus. We pray that today's podcast can help you grow just a little bit closer to Christ. Welcome back to our study through the book of Galatians. Today we're going to be in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 21. So to give a recap, Uh, from the first section of chapter 2. In the first half of the chapter, we saw Paul describing his time in Jerusalem with Barnabas and Titus. And we saw that even though Titus was Greek, he was not forced to be circumcised because that's that's not a requirement of those that follow Jesus. Jesus gives gives us freedom and salvation, not the laws of the Torah. So he he wasn't forced to become circumcised because he was following Jesus, because Jesus fulfilled the laws of the Torah. We saw that James, Cephas, or Peter... And John, who recognized as pillars of the early church, all acknowledged Paul and the grace that had been given to him. And while they were ministering to the Jews, Paul was to minister to the Gentiles. And the purpose of this was not to divide people, but to unite the two groups under Jesus. This section ended with them telling Paul to remember the poor, which he said that he made every effort to do. And this was the main theme in Jesus' life and in the early church, that those who truly follow Jesus care for those in need. So with that context, that's the beginning of chapter 2, the first 10 verses. Now we're going to move into the rest of chapter 2, starting in verse 11. Starting in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, it says this. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. So here Paul begins to talk about Peter's arrival in Antioch and what happened there. So Paul is bringing this up most likely because these other teachers that we've been talking about in Galatia, most likely they had been spreading word about this incident between Paul and Peter, and they would have seen Peter as being in the right. So they would have kind of been spreading word about this and saying that Paul was wrong in what he said. See, in their mind, Paul was compromising their Jewish traditions while Peter was holding to them. And see, what's going on here is Jews didn't eat with Gentiles because Gentiles at that time were seen as idolaters. So Paul, is, Paul insisted on uniting these two people groups under the commonality of following Jesus. And what happened here is Peter had, was regularly eating with Gentiles until these, quote, certain men from James came. Now, this doesn't mean that James sent these men, but, but what's more likely is that these were Jews who were claiming James's authority. And instead of standing up to their pressure to not eat with Gentiles because he was Jewish, they wanted him to stop eating with the Gentiles. Instead of standing up to their pressure, Peter withdrew from eating with the Gentiles altogether. So Paul continues in verse 13. He says, Then the rest of the Jews joined this hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So Barnabas is is generally seen in a positive light, uh, but Paul is saying that even Barnabas joined in this hypocrisy. And Paul continues in verse 14 to really uh, hammer home the problem that he sees here. It says, But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everyone, If you who are a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? So, so Paul doesn't beat around the bush here. He goes right for their hypocrisy. If Peter is a Jew and eats with and acts like a Gentile, as he was doing before, then how can he then tell Gentiles they have to act like Jews? Paul is, Paul is calling out his hypocrisy plain as day. He's saying you can't claim that salvation is through Jesus, essentially, alone, while acting like this. So you can't have it both ways. You're, 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 what, your actions are contradicting what you're now saying, or what, what you're now acting like is true. 
And he continues in verses 15 and 16. He says, We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And yet because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because the works of the law, no human being uh, will be justified. Because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. So Paul is continuing his kind of summary here of the interaction that he had with Peter, where he's basically repeating to Peter that in which they already believed, saying they, they were ethnically Jewish, but, but they know that justification comes by faith in Jesus Christ. They were brought up under the law, but since the death of Jesus, they were no longer bound to the law. They were justified through faith in Jesus and not through the Torah. So Paul is just reminding Peter that he believes these things, that even though they themselves are Jewish, they are not justified by the law. It continues in 17. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. When Paul says, if we, if we ourselves are also found to be sinners, he's referring to, be seen, to, to, to being seen as sinners because of eating with Gentiles and no longer following the Torah. That's what he's referring to here. And we can read this and think, obviously Christ is not a promoter of sin. However, if we see sin the same way that they did as going against the Torah, then the answer may seem to be, yes, Christ is a supporter of sin. But as we know, because of Jesus, following the strict laws of the Torah was no longer necessary. So Christ isn't a promoter of sin, and it's not considered a sin to eat with and live like Gentiles. He continues in 18. He says, If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. Now, what does this mean? If I rebuild the things I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. What, what Paul is saying is that with Jesus, he's tearing down the wall between Jews and Gentiles to create one unified family in Christ. However, if he were to rebuild that which I tore down by, by using the Torah to rebuild the law between the Jews and the Gentiles, then he would be a lawbreaker. And some other translations don't say lawbreaker. Some other translations say transgressor. And the word here that's used is stronger than saying that he's a sinner. What the Greek uh, word that Paul uses here is of somebody who knows the right path to follow and purposely moves to the side of it. So this isn't accidentally doing something that you didn't know was wrong. It was knowing the right way to go, knowing the right path to follow, and purposely moving in a different direction, moving to the side of it. So Paul is saying that if he were to use the Torah to separate the Jews and the Gentiles, he would be knowingly and willfully doing the wrong thing and going against Jesus, Jesus' will, for his followers. Then he continues in 19. He says, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. So Paul is saying that even, even the most devout Jews have, have to come out from under the rule of the Torah and follow Jesus. It's not that the Torah was bad or wrong, but that Jesus came to fulfill the law and unite, un, unite those under the law with those not under the law. So he came to unite the Jews and the Gentiles under the commonality of following Jesus. And Paul isn't implying that they were wrong for following the Torah originally. The Torah served a purpose for a period of time before Jesus came. But now that Jesus has come, it's time to come out from under the Torah and live just for Jesus. And in verse 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the old Paul was gone. No longer the Paul who persecuted Jesus' followers and enforced the strict laws of the Torah exist. But he had been crucified with Christ. He is a new creation and Christ lives in him. And in verse 21, as we close out this section, it says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Now, this is a pretty strong statement. Paul brings up a really strong point here that this isn't just a disagreement between Paul and Peter. This isn't like a uh, agree to disagree kind of thing, and it, it's, it's cool if we agree different, if, if we uh, believe different things here. Or it's, 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 uh, it's, it's not just a disagreement between them or those that were wanting Gentiles to get circumcised. What Paul is saying here is that if this is what you believe, then you believe that Christ died for nothing. He's saying, I can't just uh, sit back and, and say, it's okay for you, to, for you to believe this way, because if this is what you believe, then you are essentially saying that Christ died for nothing. You can't have it both ways. You can't believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and that his death mattered, but still tell Gentiles that they have to come under the law to be accepted into God's family. See, if that was the case, if the Torah still served that purpose, if they had to come under the law in order to be accepted into God's family, then if that was the case, then Jesus' death was pointless. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, do you not see the disconnect? If you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, if, he, if you believe that he came for this reason, then you can't believe that people still have to live under the laws of the Torah because if that was still a requirement, then Jesus' death was pointless. He's saying you, especially talking to Peter, he's saying you obviously don't believe that. He's not accusing him really of believing it. He's saying, you know, you know that you don't believe that and I know you don't believe that. So then why are we acting like this? Why are you acting like this? Why are you still trying to keep Jews and Gentiles separated and not trying to unite them under Jesus? Paul's point here is that Jesus didn't die for nothing. He died for something. He died to unite and bring all those that believe in God together. Not to just uh, encourage living under the law. He, 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 was, he didn't die so that everyone would come together to live under the law, but he came to fulfill the law so that anybody, regardless of heritage, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of socioeconomic status, anybody, everybody could be a part of God's family. And that's why Jesus came to unite people under Jesus, to unite people under himself, to unite people in God's family so that they wouldn't have to be separated between those that lived under the Torah, lived under the rule, the law of the Torah, and those that didn't. So as we close out chapter two today, I'm gonna give us three takeaways that we can see from this second half of the chapter. And the first is this, it's that everybody is susceptible to hypocrisy. Everyone is susceptible to hypocrisy. Don't convince yourself that you're above it. Peter is being hypocritical here as was Barnabas, as we see. Be on the lookout for your own hypocrisy and don't let yourself believe that you're above it. I think the moment we start believing that we wouldn't be the ones that could fall to hypocrisy or that that's not an issue that we struggle with is the exact moment that we start falling into it. So this is, it's, it's just like most sins. We're, we're all susceptible to it. So be on the lookout for your own hypocrisy. Be on the lookout for your own hypocrisy more so than on the lookout for other people's hypocrisy. Everyone is susceptible to it, but, uh, but fortunately, as we know, uh, hypocrisy is not an unforgivable sin. So be on the lookout for it. Be on the lookout for your own um, hypocrisy. And when you identify in your own life, as I do in my own life, confess it to God, confess it to Christ, and he does forgive. But everyone, anyone is susceptible to hypocrisy. Second point is that life with Jesus should look different than life without Jesus. It should be obvious that we have changed 
uh, once we start following Jesus. This doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. This doesn't mean we're going to have it all figured out from day one, but things should look different from before Jesus to after Jesus, to after following Jesus. An outsider should be able to see a change in our lives after, after we start following Jesus. Now, again, this does not mean we're going to be perfect. This does not mean that we'll never sin again in our lives. But there should be a noticeable difference. If we truly understand what Jesus did and truly understand what it means to follow him, there should be a noticeable difference from before to after we start following Jesus. Then the third thing we see here today is that following Jesus means dying to our old way of life. Following Jesus isn't just something we say, then continue living the same way we did before. Following Jesus means dying to ourselves, dying to the way of life before him and following him. Life should look different. We should look different. There should be a noticeable change. Unlike these, uh, the Jewish believers who are trying to bring the Gentiles under the law, following Jesus should mean that we walk away from our old way of life and, and our old way of doing things. See, following Jesus means dying to our old way of life and to ourselves and becoming a new creation in Jesus. And that's what we see in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 21.